three, two, one. From down in the dirty bird. Oh my goodness gracious. The only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. everyone and welcome back to another episode of buzzardry it is monday night september 26th at the time of this recording we are very glad to be back with you two straight weeks with a golden eagle victory we will talk about the two lane win and uh, just a reminder we did do a twitter space that is uh, posted on our feed it was posted today and so go uh Feel free to go back and listen to that. I had a lot of really great discussion. That was that was probably the the most involved one we have done in terms of interaction and listeners. It was a lot of fun. We're gonna try to keep doing that, and we're gonna try not to rehash what we talked about there too much. But it, it probably will happen. So just uh, just a heads up. This episode is sponsored by BigGoldNation.com. It is the premier inside source. For all things Southern Miss Athletics. My name is Ben Milam, and I am joined as always by my partner Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing? Glad to be on after a you know a big signature win on Saturday night in uh, in Uptown. That's right. We talked about how big of a deal it would be and what it would mean for this program. Gives you the ability to carry some momentum into conference play, and yeah, like you said, with a signature win, it gives you uh, what we call a tangible result that you can point to and say. We really are improving in the win-loss column. And I I think particularly against Tulane, a former older rival and in the AAC and a really good Tulane team too, was coming off of a big victory at home in New Orleans. Just uh, just makes it that much bigger. Um, Pat, let's let's first fly over, look, uh, again, a lot of the stuff we talked about on the Twitter space, but... Yeah, big big win all the way around. What what stood out to you about this victory? Yeah, I guess it was just kind of the ability to uh, to come back and the, the special teams. And I guess, yeah, so, you I mean, you get down 14 and nothing. It really just looked look like Tulane was kind of going to run away with it early on. I mean, USM couldn't get anything going on off- offensively. Had a couple third and short situations uh, early that you couldn't do anything with. Uh, and, yeah, it just looked like Tulane at first, you know, they looked faster and just b- b- better overall. And then, yeah, you started to see USM um, turn around. And I think the big turning point uh, was you go back and look, I guess, probably past the halfway point of the second quarter. You saw Mason Hunt uh, punt at Tulane inside the five-yard line. And uh, that backed them up, and they had a quick three and out. And then USM had it in plus territory, and USM was able to score on that with the Wilkie mm-hmm. pass to Brownlee. That made it to 14-7. So I feel like that punt, I mean, if, the, if that's downed in the end zone, you know, you might not – yeah, I mean, you probably don't get um, positive field position. Who knows? Tulane, they may go on another drive and go up uh, – um, or they might have gone up, you know, 17 or 21 or sure. nothing. Yeah. And that was a drive that you really had to have because you could not – I really don't think it would have been a good situation to be going down. Uh, double digits with Tulane getting the ball to start the second half. You're able to score that, mm-hmm. and that really got you back in the game. So that was kind of the turning point, and it just, yeah, I mean, the special teams, yeah, then you saw um, the two blocked uh, field goals, or, or so the blocked field goal, the blocked punt, mm-hmm. uh, which you got two uh, possessions where you scored right. uh, on field goals there. So, 
Uh, between that and the pick six, it's 13 points, and uh, USM didn't turn over the ball. Um, between all that, that kind of adds up to a uh, to a win. I mean, just <laughs> offensively, you manage the game well. Wilkie manages the game well, makes a couple big throws, um, but doesn't, you know, um, make any terrible decisions that uh, throw the game away. And, uh, yeah, just led to a really big win and, you know, really the, probably the biggest – I mean, I wanted, I mean, definitely the biggest win, I would say, since uh, the Kentucky game in 2016. Yeah, I would agree. And you did the little things right. You touched on them there. You, you did not turn the football over. You did not allow a sack. Zach Wilkie did some good things. When he did get flushed out of the pocket, made a, a few moves, a few throws on the move, and that that is – that's not necessarily his game, but he has the ability to do that. And I think you saw him getting more comfortable a little bit, uh, particularly with some, I think you saw some really high-quality RPO action in the second half where he made the right reads and made the throws and, you know, had a had a couple of drops early in that game that I think that easily could have thrown a true freshman quarterback off of his game. But I, th- I thought he got his feet under him and, and really found the confidence to Give the ball to his playmakers. Obviously, having Jason Brownlee helps a little bit where you can kind of toss it up to him. And, and that, that felt like sort of where Wilkie found that is when Brownlee made a couple of really nice plays. Of course, that first touchdown and on the short throw, came back in the end zone to catch it. And so I, I think it, it comes down to those little things, doing the little things right. I think if you would have done that against Liberty, you'd probably be 3-1 and one right now yeah. had you not turned it over so many times and – a few other things. Obviously, there were other outstanding factors to it, but it's it's what we talked about. This this team is close. If you can put together a game where you do most of the little things correctly and with without error, then you're going to have a chance to win some games against some good teams. Yeah, and then Hall kind of talked about you know just simplifying the offense and just kind of going with some of that I guess kind of early install type stuff, and like mm-hmm. you said, the RPOs and uh, that seemed to work. You know, and yeah. um, I mean, early on, you just and then yeah, that drop that was actually in the third, um, in the third quarter, and uh, that would have been a big uh, conversion there. And yeah, Wilkie wasn't able to get rattled, and yeah, I just think after those first two drives, you I mean, I really thought the front, the front's kind of dominant, or at least the on uh, defensively, I guess you know, on um, pass protection is good, but you weren't able to run the ball a ton. Uh, but just that front seven defensively, you're able to get four sacks and really get. Uh, to um to pray, even though he was able to break off a couple of runs, but it felt like you got that a little um better. You contained that a little better there. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the second half, and uh and yeah, I was a, a little surprised to see because I felt like his two lane was ahead in the yards per play by about um a yard, maybe a little above a yard. But and but the S and P plus post game expectancy, I, we were kind of joking like, yeah, it'd been funny if two lane had like a ninety five percent. But it was actually USM had uh, the edge in that, like fifty two percent. So it was a pretty evenly played game according. To, and then USM yeah. did come out ahead, um, even though that two lane did have the higher yards per play. I believe USM did come out um, ahead in success rate, which is how S and P plus is calculated. It's basically, I think we explained it on here before. But if if you like have a first down, for example, and you gain six yards, that's counted as a successful play. If you have second and five and you gain you know, more than the yards to gain for that, or more than half of the yards to gain for that, that counts. And then the third down, you convert, uh, that counts. So, yeah, I mean, you was simple ahead and success rate, but, yeah, it was a really, um, you know, physical game. And, um, yeah. yeah, and it was, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it could have helped uh, USM possibly that uh, Tulane had to play a really physical game last week, and USM was able to keep the starters out uh, for the second half. Uh, that could have played uh, to the advantage. I don't know, just kind of throwing things out there, but. 
Um, but yeah, re- really big win. I mean, really, yeah. I mean, since that Kentucky game, and um, and then we got a question uh, comparing it, um, kind of to the uh, other upsets, um, in the from the Sun Belt uh, this year. We'll, we'll get into mm-hmm. that and kind of how that compares. I kind of took a look at that. But yeah, it's it's one of the better wins for the Sun Belt this year. Yeah, and uh, really gives you a jolt in recruiting. I mean, I think you kind of look at uh, Tulane's taking a lot. I mean, that was kind of a big reason Will Hall got the job was that Tulane was taking some guys uh, Mississippi that USM wanted. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you look at the the shifting uh, realignment, the leveling playing field of that, uh, coupled with the you know the coaching staff, and then uh, yeah, I mean you beat them head to head. I think that really helps you uh, in recruiting in uh, in South Louisiana and and in uh, Mississippi. Uh, against Tulane, yeah. Um, so yeah, just a big, uh, big day for uh, the program, and uh, a, a day that you know we might look in a couple of years from now, or you know maybe even at the end of this year, it's like yeah, this is when really the everything started to change mm-hmm. um, in terms of the direction of the program. So right, and and also I think going back and watching the game, <clears throat> given those adjustments that were made, the simplification or, or whatever it, it was on the defensive end, because you you did not really give anything up defense. I mean, you when you kind of went to pre- prevent defense yes. is, is when you gave up the only points you surrendered in the second half. I thought Southern Miss outcoached Tulane. I, I thought that was that was pretty obvious, and that was really, really encouraging because that's a great staff. We've yes. talked about that. Willie Fritz is a, a really solid head coach and does things really well. Obviously, you know, had familiarity with Will Hall and his staff coming into this game. Which that you know that may tend to get overblown just a little bit uh, in terms of coaches knowing each other and coming from former staffs, but it, it was certainly a factor. And the the fact that you know you're the guy that you hired two years ago, and maybe some people were were questioning early in the in this early third of the season, I, I thought clearly outcoached a really high quality coaching staff uh, should make you make you feel pretty good. I think and some people. Not a lot. This was not a prevailing sentiment, I don't think. But I think you look at the plays you made on special teams, the punt block, the field uh, field goal block, and the pick six. Obviously, those are really good things. But one of the questions maybe becomes, are those – is the style of win repeatable? Right. And was this game maybe a fluke a little bit? And I, I'm not saying that it is, but – you know, it, it was it was sort of a, a game that you did not, you know, like like we were saying, it, it, we, I would not have been surprised if all of those metrics showed that Tulane was supposed to win this game, given the, given the statistics. And, you know, they almost doubled your total yardage in the first half. They really beat you, you know, 200-plus yards on the ground and moved it really, really well in the first half. How does that sit with you? Do you think this is a, a fluke no, win in any uh, way? Or? No, well, no, because, um, I mean, I, I think it was evenly played. But I think the, going back to the turnover, I mean, that's why they – but just like you're saying, the sustainability of it is like the reason like these metrics that they're like S&P Plus and FPI, they don't factor in, I don't believe, turnovers because there's just too random turnovers. Like, sure. So they don't yeah. factor in like a block kick or a block punt or a pick six um, and that kind of thing. But, yeah, it, it is interesting. So, uh, I didn't even realize this until Corey told me this before the game on uh, last week. He was saying USM had had, and it continued into this uh, into Saturday, USM had had four um, – last four of the last six games, USM had scored defensively. Um, and that continued – so, now you're five out of seven. So, I don't – I mean, 
it doesn't. That's not supposed to be something that's that's sustainable. But I mean, over the last seven games, that's something that keeps happening: are defensive mm-hmm. touchdowns, and it's sure. just kind of like we talked about on the Twitter space. The uh, kind of the Bauer ball was like the Beamer ball of the G five, I guess, where you win with defense and special teams. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Typically, I would say that defensive touchdowns and these special teams plays, where you you know you're blocking punts and blocking kicks, that's not going to happen all the time. Um, but I mean, it kind of has, it kind of has, where, yeah, yeah, you, sure, get, you get the sure. pick six against the Liberty and then Northwestern, uh, or I guess Miami didn't score defensively, but then Northwestern, you had a, a fumble touchdown. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a fluke, just like I was saying, based on those success rate and they were, they did come out ahead in yards per play, uh, about a yard, which is, I mean, that's not a huge difference. That's a little bit of a difference, but I mean, no, I, I want to say it's a fluke. I just think USM. I mean, that's part of the game. Special teams is part of the game, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And um, you know, USM was a lot better starting with that punt, and then you get the um, you get you get two field goals, and they they were I guess kind of shorter field goals, but you know, Tulane was over two on field goals. One of them, I mean, they were longer. I mean, the one that was blocked was uh, well, that might have been around thirty five, forty. But uh, then the other one they missed, it would missed to the left. That was about forty seven. But yeah, I mean, USM was two for two on field goals. Tulane was over two, even though the USMs were um were closer. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I mean, we talked about that big punt. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I would say it's a fluke. I think it was an evenly played game for the most part. And you know, you can kind of look at metrics. Well, Tulane was better in yards per play, but USM came out a lot ahead in success rate. Um, and then so I mean, you just kind of split difference and say, well, USM a lot better in special teams. They got the big. Uh, play uh, defensively with the pick six. So yep. I think that kind of breaks it. But yeah, I mean, I do, I do see the concern there based on the s- sustainability because traditionally, I mean, you're not going to get a pick six or multiple block punts and field goals every game. And then I just kind of think, just going back, uh, I think a big concern if you're just kind of wanting to um, nitpick was looking, uh, USM is last in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. So that's got to be uh, cleaned up um, if you're going to want to, you know, win. Um, you know, eight or so games and compete for the division, which you think you have a shot at now. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so last in the country in, um, in touchdown percentage in the red zone, and then maybe just a little above that, just an overall scoring in the red zone. So that's got to be cleaned up. If that's something you really sure. want to um, kind of zone in on. But, yeah. Well, uh, again, in this particularly in the second half, I mean, the defense was, was dominant. Yes. And so if, if you want to, you know, uh, maybe – quiet those those concerns for those of you who who have a concern of of whether or not this is a sustainable type of victory I mean you have gotten really solid performances out of your defense and against good competition and there's no reason to believe that is not going to continue into conference play and so if you if you can if you can have that foundation of quality defense and you get some big plays on special teams and have some something close to average offense, which I think is is what you got. And this is, I think, you know, once you started playing this game, maybe people forgot a little bit how good this two-lane defense yeah. is. I mean, you put 20, 20 points on them, that, and they had not given up more than 10. Gave up 10 to Kansas State, who who put up 40 and 50 in the week sandwiched around that game against Tulane. And so I, I think you, even though you were not efficient on the ground and you would hope that that approves in, in Sunbelt play, I think you feel good about the offense too. And so I, I think I, I, I agree. I, I understand uh, the, the few people I heard that from. I, I want to make that clear. It was, I didn't hear that from a, a lot of different places that people thought this was, this was a fluke. But it is understandable, that perspective. Um, but I think given, given what you did really – 
Um, I think at every facet of the game, I think most of that is is repeatable. And it is and it is nice to see, Patrick. We've talked about some of these metrics um, last week. Saw them improve, and you know, kind of the wide open nature of the division. And do we still feel like we're going to get to six and six after these those first three games? We said that we we felt like this two lane game was much more of a barometer game, yes. and that we would maybe be able to either tweak predictions or feel better or worse about uh, our. Southern Miss's chance in the division, and the numbers reflect a little bit higher confidence at Southern Miss. Yeah, so you 82 in S&P Plus, where you're at 89, and FPI is 85. And then so FPI now is saying USM has an 80% chance to get to six-plus wins. So, I mean, it's basically a four-and-five chance to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, 21.6% chance to win the division. Uh, it's either second or third. Uh, I know South Alabama's close to 50%, so they're kind of the um, – yeah. A uh, pretty decent favorite to uh, win the division now. And then in the conference, I'm trying to pull this up, uh, 8.6 chance to win the conference. Um, we'll see, division odds. Yeah, so USM is a little ahead of uh, Troy in that. So, yeah, USM has the best or the second best uh, chances to win the division according to the ESPN formula. So, yeah, I mean, it's wide open. I mean, they kind of have, I guess, South as a heavy favorite. Just, I mean, that 48.7 chance. Uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, it's, the thing is wide open, especially now that ULL has, we'll get in that later, but they've mm-hmm. lost and they look, a, I mean, they're down to 5% chance to win the division. So it looks like they're, I mean, not out of the picture, but uh, probably not going to win the division. So with them out, I mean, you kind of have, I still think, four or five teams that can win mm-hmm. um, the Sunbelt West. But, yeah, I mean, the numbers reflect that bowl eligibility at this point is a likelihood. But even then, you really haven't seen uh, a ton in the bowl projections um, I was looking. The only one ESPN didn't have us in um, the other um, the uh, Action Network. Brett McMurphy uh, not in that either. But uh, CBS did uh, USM versus Miami Ohio in the Boca Raton Bowl. That's on December twentieth. That's a Group of Five Pool Bowl. Um, so that I mean that'd be okay. Um, I, I would yeah. pr- I would prefer like a, maybe the Lending Tree Bowl uh, possibly, which is Mobile. That's on a Saturday. I think this is the kind of year where. Um, you kind of prioritize it when in this year. It's, it's still you're rebuilding it up, so you want a bowl maybe that the fans can go to, and then maybe you know, let's say next year you win the conference, or maybe you, you end up winning the conference this year. We kind of change what we're thinking here, but like you know, maybe another year, like next year, you can kind of play for that, try to get the best name team or best name bowl. Yeah. Whereas this year, you just kind of maybe trying to get a. I feel like you would want an easier game fan where fans can travel and then get. Kind of build the program up a little bit, and then, mm-hmm. yes, kind of next year you can mm-hmm. take a bigger uh, bite out of the apple. But, you know, who knows? Maybe this year you win the conference and you want to take that big bite out of the apple. So I would uh, I would not complain about that, either either of those scenarios. But it's it's nice to be just mentioned in, yes. in the bowl predictions. Uh, it, it I know it really hasn't been that long, but it, it feels like a long time for some reason. Do we want to talk about the division picture? Go ahead and get into that. Yeah, so um, – do we have a question about that? We Yeah. All right. We will jump into Q&A. Only had two or three, but they are two or three good ones. This is, uh, this is again, from Twitter. Per usual, Eagles Nest says, Can you all go through the schedule and highlight the more difficult slash easier games and what it will take to host a Sunbelt championship this year? Will we have to win out or could we afford to drop – a conference game or two. First of all, before we answer that, 
it's just it's it's wonderful to get these kind of questions. I know. Uh, it feels like so much has changed. Yeah, I mean, you feel like you're, yeah, I mean, like we've been saying very much in that picture. As it relates, I mean, yeah, you can probably, I mean, it depends, obviously, who you drop it to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you lose, uh, I think if one loss you're in, losses, it would depend. I mean, it depends on how, if you, like, let's say you go 6-2 and two and you lose to South. Uh, I felt like South would probably get, because I felt like South would be at least 6-2 and two and they would have the tiebreaker. Um, but honestly, at this point, I feel like whoever wins the West might have the inside track at hosting because you already have App already has a loss. Yep. Uh, Marshall has a loss. Uh, Coastal is kind of the one. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, but I don't think they're as strong as they've been. I mean, oh, I don't either. Yeah. And then James Madison, they might be the best team in the East, but they can't play because of the transition period. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I mean, and, and look, USM plays Coastal. Uh, granted, it's on the road, but if you win that and they're the East representative, that would probably mean you host if you were to win the division and they were to win the division because of that tiebreaker. Um, so I think one loss, you definitely um, win the division. Um, well, not definitely, but probably. Two losses, maybe 40-60, and then 5-3. and three, I, would, mm-hmm. I would say not at 5-3. and three, But mm-hmm. um, it, it, what was the, there was another part of that question. It was talking about ranking the schedule. Oh yeah, go. Can you all go through the schedule and highlight the more difficult slash easier games? Uh, I would say South Al, Coastal, Troy. Those are probably the more difficult ones. Yeah, I think South Al and Troy are the the two that really stand out. Yes, particularly in the West, obviously in that. And then easier at Texas State, ULM, and Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like. Yeah, and and South Alabama goes to Lafayette yeah. this weekend, right? Yes. So that'll that'll certainly be one to keep tabs on, and have, we'll have a lot to do with. That Western Division table. Brick, uh, a couple of questions. First one, USM contributed to Sunbelt wins. Patrick, you said you were thinking about this. Over other conferences, how does this win measure up against App State, Marshall, and Georgia Southern's upsets? What does it mean for the AAC? Oh, well, I think just based on the like just the numbers and not the name brand. I mean, I think it's not as good as the wins over A&M and uh, Notre Dame, but I think it's better than wins over Nebraska and um, Virginia Tech. Uh, I mean, just looking at any computer or metric one to look at, I mean, hmm. Tulane is above Virginia Tech and Nebraska. Uh, I mean, obviously, that the win, that win doesn't have as much, um, I guess, juice as those in terms of national perception just because Tulane didn't have the name brand of a, of a Virginia Tech or a Nebraska. Yeah. But I think in terms of just the actual team, I think it's better than both of those wins. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what does it mean for the AAC? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it shows you that um, USM, which I guess is considered, I don't know, maybe a middle-of-the-pack Sunbelt team, you hope to get in that kind of upper middle pack by the end of the year, uh, beat, you know, a top four or five team in the AAC. Yeah, um, and that hasn't really happened in the past. I mean, I mean, actually, I think no. You were Sunbelt was zero and four. Yeah, against the AAC coming into this weekend. Yeah, yeah. and that's a little deceiving because I think all of those games are all maybe all but one were on the road. But yeah, the Sunbelt had not done well against the AAC, so it was big mm-hmm. that Sunbelt um, got that win um, over the AAC. And um, yeah, I mean, I think those are going forward probably going to be the two best group of five conferences. Maybe the Mountain West. We'll see. I mean, but a lot of those programs in Mountain West are on the decline. You look at Boise and. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess Boise is the big one, but um, they're on the decline, and some of those other programs aren't as good as they've been in the past. So sure. Um. Yeah, that's going to be kind of the thing to watch. The group of five in the next five, ten years. That Sunbelt versus AAC. It was, uh, USM could do uh do our part in uh, and uh, beat yeah. the AAC. Yeah. Second question from Brick. What is the potential for special teams this season? They made some big 
Uh, they made some massive plays that went our way. Yes, they did. I think I think you saw the potential. I mean that it really did win you the game, mm-hmm. and it set it set the precedent for being able to change the game with your special teams. Uh, a lot of of head coaches shy away from how Will Hall approaches it. Some some coaches do. I think Saban does what uh, what Hall is doing and, and sending your best players out there. Your best athletes are going to play on special teams regardless of of their um, you know spot of offensively or defensively defensively whether they're a starter or not. And so um, yeah, I, I think you I think that is the potential is uh, to to really change the game and swing it the other direction. I don't think you would have won that game had you not had those big special teams plays. Yeah, I think um, I saw some of USM like a top 15 special teams unit based on something. And, yeah, I mean, I just think, yeah, you have a good kicker, you have a good punter. And, uh, I mean, you saw the plays, The um, and we kind of talked about the sustainability of it, but you saw the big plays in terms of just blocking punts, blocking kicks. And I felt like he got a return man that can break. Yeah, You know, we'll yeah. see if he can do it later on in the year, but I feel like Harrell – uh, has the potential to break one. We've seen him do it in the past. I think Natron Brooks does too in the punt game. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you saw one of those guys take one to the house mm-hmm. uh, later in the year. So yeah, I mean, I just think it's a really well-rounded unit. And uh, when you have an offense, I mean, you're still kind of getting it. You're still improving in the growing phase of offense with the young quarterback. That's just kind of more of a game manager at this yeah. point. You know, you need that special teams. You need that defense, and that's what you got on um, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was uh, those were all the questions we got. Here's a here's a question from Ben uh, to Patrick. <laughs> we we didn't say we were going to do this, but we we obviously made our predictions both six and six different routes of getting there uh, before the season started. Now through non conference play, do you tweak your season win total prediction here? Definitely by at least one because I had um, one and three through the first four, uh-huh. so it's two and two now. And I guess I'm. I'll stick with – I had losses at Colstor and Troy. I'll stick with that. And now I just – I'm going to flip Lafayette. Okay. Um, but I don't know if I want to flip South Al. Um, so I'm either at seven or eight wins, um, depending on what um, – what do you think about that South Al game? Um, yeah, that is – Because they look really, really good early They on. do. They look really, really Their good. Their only loss is a one-point loss at a 4-0 UCLA. Granted, UCLA doesn't play anybody really. I mean, other no. than South Al. Um, it looks, yeah, I mean, like we're saying, they look really good. So, but yeah. Yeah, they're just, they, they don't really have a, a lot of holes that have been shown in the early going. And so that, yeah, I, I think that is, it's setting up that for that to be uh, potentially, and, and you're going to have to play really well. I think, again, I love the fact that, that people are, are sort of a lot more positive coming into Sunbelt play. And I think rightfully so. I think we learned a lot about this team I think people should be more positive about this group. But I loved the way that Coach Hall put it. I think he was quoting Bobby Bowden, and I think you, you yes. talked about this on the yes. Twitter space. They're, you know, they're, they're the four stages, yes. losing by a lot, losing by a little, winning by a little, then winning by a lot. And Coach Hall said we're somewhere in between losing by a little and winning by a little. People have made the comparisons to 2015, saying it kind of feels like, 2014, 2015, and I, I think it's sort of a hybrid in between those yes. because you know 2015, obviously, <clears throat> you were a little further along. had a had a uh, third year quarterback in Nick Mullins, and I mean you you kind of you thumped a lot of people, last uh, seven a games lot of, of blowouts. The year. Yeah, exactly. And then 
multi-score losses, I guess, in the last two games. But yes. uh, so there were weren't really a ton of close games. But in 2014, you had the the six point win over Alcorn, which yes. I was hoping I would never have to talk about that game ever again. The one point win over App State, um, tennis point wins over. I guess North Texas. North Texas is there, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and Louis, uh, not well, Louisiana. Like, it was 3-9. 2014 was 39 year. Yeah, you're right. Well, okay, so and then the and then there was the two-point loss to UTSA yes, at the end UTSA of that year. Yes, UTSA kicked the field goal to win. Yes, 12-10, uh, which, man, that was an ugly game. Yes, Thursday um, night game. I think you're a little further along than that, uh, and, and I'm not sure I would have said that before this game. And so – do we need to win out uh, to host the conference championship? <laughs> that, that would have seemed like a crazy question, and and it's it's really not that crazy of a question. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, in, in terms of looking into conference play and you know the predictions that we made, and it was six and six. I would probably stay somewhere around there, six and six, seven and five, because I think you're going to have some games like you had against Liberty, and again, this game against Tulane could have could have gone a lot of different ways and you're really young particularly on the offensive side so I think I think you're still going to take your lumps a little bit I this group is not quite there yet um, that being said I, I would I'd be a lot closer to seven and five you know I think a lot of these games are going to be really close uh, you know it could it could go your way I think if you catch some breaks and do things like you did in the special teams and defensively then you are going to be able to win a lot of these games. So it's it's sort of this, there are going to be a lot of swing moments and swing games where, you know, I, I think there are several years in the past decade where you felt like this team could go three and nine or they could go eight and four or nine mm-hmm. and three. And I think I think that's that's kind of true of this team too. You're just going to have to, to win some really close games. Yeah, I'm going to say seven and five. I'll flip. ULL will be a win. I'm going to say South Dakota's a loss for now. Um, I say seven and five, five and three, uh, and you play in a bowl game somewhere. I do feel really good about playing in a bowl game. I do think that is oh, yeah. going to happen. I agree. Uh, although I guess I did say if USM won at Tulane that uh, I would pick USM to win the West. So, um, or I thought, yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> so I may have to go to eight and four and six and two and say, yeah, one of those will be South Al. Mm, okay. And uh, you get the tiebreaker or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, South Dakota did will get into the Sun Belt, but yeah, they had another really good uh, performance against La Tech over the weekend. So. Yeah, and I think at this point, in terms of looking ahead ahead to the season, I think I think your expectations or maybe your definition of a successful season have changed a little bit. I, I think if you don't reach that ball game, then you would be pretty disappointed. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's look ahead in. No, oh, let's look back at what happened in the Sun Belt this past weekend, Patrick. Yeah, so Coastal, uh, they say undefeated. Uh, they win 41-24 on Thursday night at Georgia State. Uh, and then JMU, big comeback. I forgot what the exact margin was. I was a, wasn't able to really follow any of these games, uh, to be honest, being in New Orleans on Saturday. But JMU, I know it was a, at least maybe 20 points or so. Came back and won at App State 32-28. Uh, ODU uh, won at Arkansas State 29-20. Or does it specify where these games are? I guess it doesn't. I think that game was in at ODU. Um, oh, yeah, ODU wins that 29-26, though. Um, and then kind of interdivision or uh, – I don't – interdivision or intradivision, whatever the phrase is. Uh, Georgia State uh, wins 34-23 against Ball State. Wait, Georgia Southern. Did I say Georgia Southern wins against Ball yes, State? That yes. was in Statesboro, 34-23. Mm-hmm. Um, South Al whips up on uh, La Tech, 38-14. Yep. Love to see that. And uh, 
Uh, Troy beats Marshall, low-scoring game there, um, 16-7. to So it looks like uh, Marshall, they're having a two-week hangover. Maybe they're mm-hmm. just not very good. But, uh, well, and that Troy defense is, is yeah, for real, too. Yeah, and John Summerall, a defensive guy. It was a Kentucky in there. That's a program that's kind of known for defensive first, defensive mm-hmm. uh, uh, program. Uh, and then, uh, so it, it was interesting. So last week, Houston Baptist announced they were changing their name from Houston Baptist University to Houston Christian University, mm-hmm. effective immediately. So when we said this, talking about this game last week, <laughs> they were Houston Baptist, yeah. and now they're Houston Christian University. But Texas State did win that thirty-four uh, nothing. So yeah, they, the same school. They just changed their name uh, so since the last time strange. we talked. Uh, the big upset: ULM twenty-one seventeen. They scored tw- or two touchdowns, I believe, in the fourth quarter to come back and win that twenty-one mm-hmm. seventeen. Yep. And uh, that kind of shook some things up, I guess, because we were still thinking, even though ULL lost at Rice, that they would be a factor. And now it's looking like they're probably maybe a second-tier team in the division. Still have a shot, but, I mean, that was really a game uh, that you expected them to. Um, and when I think ULM is still – ULM is sneaky. Yeah, yeah. People make fun of Terry Bowden. He's kind of a meme. But, you know, look everywhere he's been. Auburn, sure, North Al. I mean, Akron, he, you know, he had a losing record at Akron, but, I mean, it was probably better than they've done – uh, most years. Yep. Uh, so he's a good coach, and that's not going to be a. Uh, just go ahead and mark it down as a W. Yeah, last in Monroe. Yeah, especially. that feels yeah. that feels sneaky. Uh, kind of feels like one of those UAB games in the late uh, oh, 2000s. Don't say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> early 2010s. Uh, then uh, week five, uh, Georgia State at Army. Georgia State still looking for a win. Um, at Army, that's a tough one. Uh, Texas State goes to JMU. You would expect JMU to win that. That's another cross division game there. Uh, App State hosts the Citadel. Uh, Marshall hosts Gardner Webb. By the way, both of those teams, App State and Marshall, play uh, multiple FCS games this year. Those two were actually supposed to play each other uh, in the non-conference. Obviously, that didn't happen because of the conference change, so they were left scrambling, so they had to play a second um, FCS game. And so if it comes down to if either of those teams finishes with six wins, they would not be bowl eligible because only one of those FCS games counts toward bowl eligibility. So both those teams need to get seven wins, I believe, uh, to get to a, uh, a bowl uh, Georgia Southern goes to Coastal. It's a kind of an East Division game. We'll see if Georgia Southern is a factor in that East Division. Um, Coastal trying to uh, stay undefeated there. South out, ULL. Um, and that's certainly it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the um, the old guard ULL against the surging South Al uh, yep. team. So that's in Lafayette. But I think South Al is about a seven-point favorite in that. Uh, so you expect them to win. Uh, so, but, that yeah, that's kind of the key game I guess you'll be watching there in the West Division. Uh, Liberty at ODU. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I believe uh, Liberty beat uh, Akron uh, this last week. And they had gone back to Jonathan Bennett. Did I don't know if uh, Salter got hurt um, or not, but Bennett uh, started that game. Uh, so I don't know what happened there. Neither. Um, but, yeah, Liberty at Old Dominion there. In a uh, another, that's I guess that's four. All all four of Old Dominion's uh, non-conference games are Virginia. Yeah. Um, is that yeah? Because they played uh, I think they played Norfolk State. No, they played East Carolina. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um. So anyway, with three of the four. Not close. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you will limit Arkansas State. Um, and another West uh, battle. And then Troy goes to WKU. Keep an eye on that. WKU looks like they're decent again. They mm-hmm. put up 73 on FIU the other day. They won <laughs> 73 to nothing. Um, so, yeah, they've they got a quarterback transfer from West Florida, I believe. Austin uh, something. Uh, so, yeah, West Florida. I'm sure he was uh, – uh, Martha Saunders taught him everything he knows, that <laughs> quarterback. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some some interesting games in there. Some – 
uh, rounding out of the non-conference schedule. I think, yeah, like you said, South Owl at Lafayette. That is, you're going to learn a lot about that and and that last one too. You'll learn a lot about Troy, uh, particularly ahead of next weekend. And obviously, we will look at Troy in detail next week. We, I guess, we had the option of doing a uh, a longer, much longer episode or kind of splitting them into two. And so since we're off, Southern Miss is off, I should say, we uh, don't have a game to talk about. We'll talk about the Trojans of Troy next week. That'll be out uh, Tuesday as usual. Pat, anything else we should add? Uh, I guess just that Pete Thamel tweet uh, had McLean listed as... Um, yeah. I mean, that, that felt like he was just like listing every single group of 5 AD in the South. I, I don't think I'd put much he, stock into that, but he was <laughs> on that list of uh, of potential Georgia Tech. I mean, there was like 20 people. I, w- I right. would not lose any sleep. Over. I, that does not concern me at all. Right. I will say that. Yeah. But but worth, worth mentioning. I'm glad you said that. Uh, hopefully, we won't have any update on that next week. So that'll do it for this episode of Buzzardry brought to you by BigGoldNation.com. That's Patrick McGee. I am Ben Milam. We will see you next week. This has been Buzzardry. Thanks for listening. And be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.